We're going to be in Matthew this morning, Matthew 18. Now, you may be wondering, well, wait a minute, I thought we were doing a sermon series on Romans, and we are, Um, but but, um, Mark has suggested, and and, and I agree with him, the the chapters in 6 and 7 are are really difficult chapters to to get across and to to preach on, and so he felt uh, strongly about wanting to do them himself, and I agree, totally agree with him. I'm, I'm praying with him and for him to to do that. So whenever I'm preaching, I'm going to do something different for the next um, two more times after this, and then I'll be getting on uh, the Roman series as well. But so we're taking just a little little side break from Romans this week. We're going to be in Matthew uh, chapter 18. Now, a couple of weeks ago, I did a, a communion message uh, from this very text, only I focused on a small portion of it. Uh, specifically in verses uh, 23 through 25, where it talks about the size of the debt owed, 10,000 talents, uh, which we determined to be an unbelievable amount, a debt that could not be repaid and yet was forgiven. And I compared it to the unbelievable amount that we owe because of our sin and how it has been paid in full by Jesus' death on the cross for those who believe and confess him as Savior. This morning, we're going to take a different look uh, at a broader portion of the text, which includes just before the parable, the parable itself, and just after the parable. Uh, So we're going to read the whole text um, this morning, and then I'll uh, pray for the preaching of God's Word. Okay. So let me read with my glasses on. Word of God says, beginning in verse 21, I'm going to read all the way to verse 35. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who, wishes, who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell to his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will repay everything. And out of pity for him, the master of the servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will repay or pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, 
I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in his anger, and, and in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my, father, my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, as we now dive into this text, as we look at the meaning of what Jesus was trying to convey here for us, I pray, Lord, that you will help us to, to see the light of this text and the truth of this text, Father. Let us not be distracted. But let us hear your word, Father, this morning and be affected. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have you ever said something uh, aloud, <laughs> uh, knowing that your words would trigger whoever uh, was an earshot of your voice to think very highly of you? Maybe you uh, asked a question such, a, uh, such that any discussion regarding the question and any follow-up topics or subsequent topics would reveal that you are such an amazing person. I do this all the time. Let me give you an example. I was in a developer's meeting, and I said out loud to the center of the table, I wasn't speaking to any one particular person, but I said, said to the center of the table, has anybody noticed how fast the, the um, Instabase in the cloud, which is the subsystem that I work on, how fast it's gotten? And somebody piped up, yes, it's snappy. And I said, yes, it's snappy. Now, since I'm the only one that works on this subsystem, you know, uh, somebody else asked, well, what did you do, Dan? And I said, well, you know, I just, uh, you know, made some modifications to make it faster. You know, that's just who I am. <laughs> and then somebody said after that, well, why didn't you do that from the beginning? <laughs> I do this all the time, only to then be discovered as truly a truly normal, not-so-amazing person. <laughs> it's why I have this small book by Tim Keller called The Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness close by at all times. I have to keep reminding myself that gospel humility means I can stop connecting every experience, every conversation I have to me. I can still make wonderful contributions that are just simply enjoyed without me having to get a pat on the back. Now, Peter does this in his question to Jesus, thinking that Jesus is going to point to him as an example of such a wonderful and beloved disciple. And, and Jesus answers him in a way that really deflates Peter's attempt to get a pat on the back. This morning, we'll look at how we're not too different from uh, Peter in this regard when it comes to desiring accolades. Uh, and we'll see how Jesus directs us to turn our focus from ourselves onto others. And then we'll see how this parable and the text that surrounds it shows us why we should be and why we can be focusing on forgiving others rather than planning our revenge or hung up on 
on what they did to me. Okay? So the title of my message is Forgiven Much. If you're taking notes, Forgiven Much. Let's begin with point number one, which is Peter exemplifies our human heart. Peter exemplifies our human heart. And verse 21 says, Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Peter remembers that not too long ago, Jesus has said, You must forgive your trespassers or the Heavenly Father will not forgive you. This was in Matthew 6. Matthew 6, verses 14 and 15. Let me read them. It says this. For, and this is right after the, the, the Lord's Prayer. He says, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Hmm. So he knows, he knows we're to forgive. But how many times? How many times? You see, they were, they were taught that three times was a good number. Uh, because even God does not withhold his wrath after three times. This references uh, Amos uh, 2, verse 1, that says, Thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of Moab... And for four, I will not revoke the punishment. I think this is where, they, where baseball got its balls and strikes from. After three strikes, you're out. Even God wouldn't, would not revoke the punishment after three strikes. But Peter also remembers that Jesus threw out the number seven as well. During one of his teachings in Luke Chapter 17, verse 3 and 4, he says this. Pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. And I'm sure being Jewish, he would also remember what Proverbs says, says about a righteous man. In Proverbs 24, 16, for the righteous falls seven times and rises again. So he's got to be thinking, okay, seven's good. Seven's a good number. Seven's, seven's a good number of times to forgive, but there's got to be a limit, right? There's got to be a limit. We are conditioned to have limits on our life. Eat too much, drink too much, and you get sick. Get caught driving over the speed limit, and you'll get a ticket. I'm sure some of you are thinking, if you get caught. <laughs> Even too much of a good thing is bad for you. This reminds me of um, a quote from Fiddler on the Roof. Money can be a good thing. Money is a good thing. We, we use money to buy food, to buy clothes, to pay for our a roof over our head, so forth. So money can be a good thing. And, and Perchik is, is having a discussion with Tevye. And Perchik says this. He says, money is the world's curse. Tevye says, may the Lord smite me with it, and may I never recover. 
We often want things that may not be good for us, so we put limits. We put limits on things to keep us safe, like the speeding limit. We put limits on places like fences and signs around restricted area. Do not trespass, or the lion may eat you. That's a good, that's a good sign. That's a good limitation. There are limits everywhere, and we, we're used to having them. How often have you said, or have it said to you, okay, buddy, one more time and you're going to get it. There's, a, there's an implied limit in that phrase, and obviously I've bumped up against it. Maybe, maybe I knew the limit or I didn't know the limit, but that doesn't matter. Uh, now there's a condition associated to what I'm doing, and if I do it one more time, then I'm going to get it, whatever it is supposed to be. And usually the it that I'm going to get is not something I want to have, especially if the phrase is said like this. Okay, I've had it. One more time and you're going to get it. When I was growing up, and my mom got fed up with me and my brother's shenanigans, uh, she would say, Vas a ver, which is loosely translated in English, it's Spanish to English, you'll see. And she'd say it, she'd say it like this, she said, Vas a ver, like you're going to get a spanking when your dad gets home. Vasavad never meant we were going to get something good. <laughs> so Peter is thinking seven is a good number, but certainly not seven times and each and every day, right? So he asked for clarification from the master. Lord, how, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? And he's thinking... Seven times, period. You know, seven times in a lifetime, right? And that's plenty of time or plenty for somebody who sinned against you, right? Seven times? If someone sinned against you and repented, how many times would you let it go before you said, vas a ver? So Peter's asking a legitimate question. And the Lord answers him. Point number two, Jesus exemplifies a forgiven heart. Peter asks a legitimate question. I would be thinking the same thing. How much is enough? How many times do I need to keep forgiving this guy? You know? And the Lord answers him in verse 22. He says, Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but... 77 times. Now, some translations say 70 times 7. But whether it's 77 times or 70 times 7, that's not the point. The point is a lot. A lot. Too much even to keep track or count. Can you imagine? I'm sure some, some wives are saying... 77 times, I can, I can count that many in one week as they throw out a scroll of all the times that they've been offended, <laughs> written down. I could remember 77 times. 
And he's not following that up with, and then, on the 78th time, whammo, let him have it. <laughs> he never says, be sure to keep track. You must be counting so that you know when they've reached the limit so you could be ready to land some hurt. He doesn't say that. So how does he clarify what he means? Well, he follows up with a parable. Verses 23 through 34. The parable of an unforgiving servant. The parable says so much about this notion of forgiveness. Let me, let me hi highlight a few things. Remember, Jesus compares this to the kingdom of heaven. This parable is a comment on the fifth petition of the Lord's Prayer. Y'all know the Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6, 9 through 13 says this, Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That's petition number one. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's petition number three. Give us this day our daily bread. That's four. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. That's number five. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. These are the seven petitions in our prayer. Number five, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Well, if you're not forgiving your debtors, how can you be praying, Lord, forgive us our debts? You can't, really. You need to be forgiving your debtors so that you can even pray this, Lord, Forgive us our debts. This parable speaks of the master's complete forgiveness of an unbelievable debt, 10,000 talents, to his servant out of pure compassion. Our unbelievable debt, our sin against a holy God for which we are liable but cannot repay. A debt forgiven by pure compassion by a heavenly father who sent his son to die on a cross to pay for those sins. A debt paid in full by the blood of Jesus. And only by the blood of Jesus is our debt paid in full. Notice that the servant begs for more time. He begs for more time as though he could repay his debt. Many who are convicted of their sins but don't accept that Jesus is the only way to repay the debt think they can repay their debt on their own by promising to make good. Their surety is failure. Our sins against God is a debt that we, on our own, could not ever repay. We needed someone who was worthy, who could pay the debt for us. Jesus Christ, the perfect, sinless one who gave his life on a cross for you and for me so that we could be reconciled to God and have life everlasting. Jesus.
It is God who has mercy. We do not dictate or cause God to have compassion. Romans 9, 15 through 16 says this, for he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. So then it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. A debt paid in full by the blood of Jesus Christ. This parable speaks of our still unforgiving heart even after we've been forgiven much. The servant who was forgiven much would not accept the pleas of his fellow servant who owed him little. When we don't forgive others who have sinned against us, we are not forgiving little compared to how much God has forgiven our debt against him. Let me say that again. When we don't forgive others who have sinned against us, we are not forgiving little compared to how much God has forgiven our debt against him. When we are unforgiving to our neighbor, we are not loving our neighbor. When we plan and take vengeance against our neighbor for sins against us, we are replacing God's sovereignty with our own. Only he is God, the one who is God, the creator of all things. This parable shows us that those who have received mercy should show mercy. The master asks of the servant in verse 33, and should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? Again, we see there is no limit to the amount of mercy or forgiveness we are to extend to our fellow servant or to our neighbor. Only that we are to extend mercy and forgiveness. The amount of forgiveness we extend could never, never compare to the amount of forgiveness we alone have received. That should be a permanent recording in our head. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? I hope I can remember that when somebody sins against me and I I fail to extend forgiveness. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? The total sum of the parable along with Peter's question before the parable is stamped with a warning in verse 35 regarding forgiving others, which we'll look at now as we point, as we do our last point for this morning, point number three. We have been forgiven much, therefore we should forgive much. This was my original title, but because Savannah has a hard time with me giving her long titles, I had to shorten it to forgiven much. La, 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 forgiven much. 
It is what it is. We have Paul asking how many times we should forgive someone who has sinned against us. And Jesus essentially telling him, forgive him as many times as he repents. In other words, there's no limit on the number of times to forgive someone. Which kind of goes against everything we've been taught with limitations on this and, and limitations on that. But for this, no limit. No limit. And he compares it to this parable that he gives regarding how much the servant was forgiven and yet how little the servant forgave, which brought him only misery in the end. The servant's debt was put back on him and he was thrown in jail until he would repay it, which of course he couldn't. And then Peter, uh, and then Jesus comes to the last thing that he says regarding the question from Peter and the parable that he told. And he says this. This is, this is the application we take away from the parable itself. He says in verse 35, So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. If you do not forgive your brother from your heart. That's very specific. Our duty is to forgive, and it must be done from the heart. Our duty is to forgive, and it must be done from the heart. We do not forgive acceptably to God if it's not from the heart. The warning is to those who would outwardly make peace and, agree and be agreeable to forgiving someone, but internally... They're all wishing ill will or even planning revenge. He said, God, God sees and knows our hearts, so we're not fooling anyone but ourselves. It's not enough to say with your mouth, I forgive you. We must mean it with our heart. We must desire and seek the welfare of even those who have offended us. The master did not still punish the servant after forgiving his death, neither does God. God does not say, okay, you've accepted Jesus as your Savior, which I demand that you do in order to pay for those sins, uh, but I'm still going to punish you for those sins. No, he doesn't do that. It doesn't work that way. It also doesn't work like if I, if I accept Jesus and I continue sinning or I do something that's wrong, of course I'm going to pay consequences for that here on earth, but I am not having to pay the punishment for those sins any longer because of Christ, because of what Christ did on the cross. God sees his son in our stead when we're standing there before him. On the day of judgment, when we stand there before him, he sees his son there instead and says, my good servant, come in. No sin. No sin. The danger of not forgiving is that we also will not be forgiven. The teaching here, now this is very important, 
Because somebody, would, somebody may take this and think that, oh, wait a minute, does that mean that um, if you were saved, then that God could take back that salvation? No, no, that's not what this means. This, the teaching here is not that God will take back our forgiveness, but rather he denies it to those who are unworthy according to the purpose of the gospel. For those who do not believe and confess that Jesus is their Savior, but yet act as if they believe. They may even cause others to think they are believers, but in their heart and the fruit of their walk is bad. Many will say, but Lord, did, did we not cast out demons in your name? Matthew 7, 21 through 23 says this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. What is the will of God? That we would accept his Son for our sins, accept his ransom for payment of our sins, and be reconciled to God. And then go off and tell others about the gospel of Jesus Christ. He goes on to say, On that day many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare, says Jesus, to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. This may be hard for some to hear, but if you truly walk with an unforgiving heart, then perhaps you're not truly saved. And if it bothers you, that's, that's a good thing because you can do something about that. But if you could care less about whether you forgive someone who offends you, and my heart fears for you. For you're only, you're only fooling yourself. You're only fooling yourself. Peter exemplifies our human heart by asking, how many times? How many times should we forgive someone who has sinned against us? And like him, we are looking for rules and guidelines to follow, limit, limits to adhere to. But Jesus is saying, there are no limits. There are no limits to how often you should forgive someone who has sinned against you. And you should be seeking their goodwill with all your heart. There should be no malice or revenge, no desire to do ill will for your own sake. Deuteronomy 32, 35 says, Vengeance is mine. God says, Vengeance is mine, not yours. No one knows their day of reckoning. But if you have heard the gospel and have chosen not to repent and confess that Jesus is your Lord and Savior and given your life to him, then you will be held to account for an unbelievable debt that cannot be repaid. 
and you will suffer the consequences and be tormented by your jailers for an eternity without God. That's the truth. And if you are a believer and have confessed you are a sinner in need of a Savior and have accepted Jesus as your Savior, then your duty with regards to someone who has sinned against you is to forgive them from your heart again and again and again and again. For we have been forgiven much. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord. We thank you that we can say we've been forgiven much because of your son who died on the cross to pay for our sins. That we would be reconciled to you, our Heavenly Father. So when we pray, Lord, forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors, Lord, I, I pray that you will also remind us to be forgiving of those who have sinned against us, for their sin against us is little compared to how much we've been forgiven by you for our sin against you, Father. And help us to remember to forgive, to forgive from the heart, to love our neighbor as ourselves. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.